What the fuck is up? Um, it is another episode of Jammin' with Joe. And I've been meaning to talk to you about this. I need you to go back into the library and put in the fucking notes for all of these episodes, Joe Tabaldi. Because Joe Tabaldi doesn't exist on any of, except for one podcast. If you globally search WTF Gym Talk, Joe Tabaldi's on one. It's in one, we'll, <laughs> even though we produce like fourteen Jam with Joe episodes. We'll go back and we'll uh, we'll edit the uh, the notes and those and anchor. Um, cool. So anyway, Joe's here. We we we're gonna commit to talking about just the CrossFit Glassman fucking shit show thing. For we're gonna give it like ten minutes or less. I don't want to. We talked about this. We just don't want to. There's enough content out there on it. I was supposed to have so. Immediately after you today was supposed to be Alyssa Royce, okay. who was the blog article that came out. She wrote the letter to Glassman and then screenshotted his response of "You discuss me." And, see, I didn't see any of okay. this. I've been pretty unplugged from. So a lot that of was it. yeah, that was the precursor <laughs> to the whole thing. Alyssa Royce is a longtime uh, micro gym owner, CrossFit affiliate, and she went ahead and uh, sent this very long letter. How you didn't give any direction during COVID. You didn't make any statements. You gave no direction or leadership during Black Lives Matter, blah, blah, blah. And she made a bunch of statements. Anyway, Glassman's at the end of his email goes, you disgust me, like in the email. Just like told her off. Now, again, whether you agree and with her. And the idea because she's asking for advice? Or? Um, no, she, I mean, I think he felt that she was acting a little bit more entitled than she should Got have. It. And okay. there was a lot of back and forth. Anyway, she was supposed to be on the podcast today. And then she did um, another podcast earlier this week and, she just said it was a little much. She's uh, she's like, I've said everything I need to say about it. So she opted out. Anyway, so with all that being said, there's a lot of content there out there about it. But ultimately, we just got to see what happens with the body. Does the body resurrect and stand back up and it's the walking dead? Or are people just going to start stepping over the body like what Kalip is doing with his license model and Ben Burge around with his license model and whoever else comes Did out? Did he come fun. out with a license model? I, think I was waiting I, for Ben I heard to something, something about it. I don't know whether it's real or not. But anyway. Your initial take on the the CrossFit scenario? I, I just think that ultimately this is this is not new. It's not new for the leader of a company to do something fuck up. stupid, and it goes away. And I don't think that this is the end of CrossFit. If that's like the global question, not even close. Um, do I think what I I think that right now what's happening is that the stuff that everyone kind of always thought happened at CrossFit is just starting to be more obvious. It's like, oh no, they're not even trying to hide it anymore. And I think it's like kind of that idea that when you know you're doing something wrong or you're stepping in the wrong direction with leadership, I think that most of these organizations are top down. And like we've talked about in a ton of our past podcasts about anything about rebranding and stuff like that. My gripe with CrossFit was never that you shouldn't be a subsidiary of a brand that exists, right? Like that that would totally take away all the franchise models. Sure. Like every franchise model, you're not an actual ownership of the brand. That doesn't make franchises a bad thing to own. The thing that made me nervous about CrossFit is that it doesn't have a board. And anytime you have a solo person at the head, whether it's a guy, girl, it doesn't matter. They don't have checks and balances. They can actually do whatever they want and there's nothing you could do about it. And the first little glimmer of that was when they changed from we're all about um, – showing off high-level athletes and the games and went to Health. people in their garage, I mean, in their living room. And I remember the feedback from that. I was like, yeah, well, yeah, it's so weird. We're going to get less leads now. And, but no one was like, no one decided to abstract one level from that and be like, holy shit, that's how quickly something can change. Legitimately overnight with no direction, no six months in advance. Where was the email from Glassman six months in advance that says, hey, I want to let everybody know that in the next six months, we're going to be slowly transitioning from a very high-level athlete orientation to a more specific healthcare you know, company. And these are the things that are going to change. So this is what you need to start ramping up. He just did it all behind sure. the scenes and then one day flipped the switch. 
And that should frighten people, not because of the kind of stuff that just happened, which is both toxic and scary, but because now you're sitting there and you're like, oh my goodness, I don't actually know what the future of my business is because it can literally be changed overnight with no regard for me as a person or for what I'm going through at this time, right? Yeah. So, you know, it's not someone who has an FSM functional or FMS functional movement screening certification has a functional movement screening certification has to go to functional movement screening, uh, you know, uh, trainings and certs and tests and all that. They're probably not called, they're not calling their business 50% of the naming convention, functional movement screening Charlotte. Right. So if the, the, you know, the, uh, the CEO of functional movement screening, you know, is caught fucking, uh, raping nine-year-old Vietnamese boys. Like it's not going to backfall. It's just a, th- a tool that you use and you can quietly put that tool away or that methodology. Right. It's, yeah. You know, again, it's just the basis of the affiliate model. Now, back in the day in 2006, a lot of the conversations I had and the things I was really interested in was how everybody was super happy with the affiliate model because our alternative was a Curves franchise, a Gold's Gyms franchise, and all the negative things about a franchise. The high price tag, you have no control, you can't change the color, you can't do this, you can't do anything. The number one, the startup costs. Correct, that startup costs. crushed everybody. Yes, the, the financial means, but even once you're in it, like man, I just have no freedom. And this affiliate thing, because beyond that, affiliate was more like supplement sales were affiliate based. Like, right. But an affiliate brick and mortar, that wasn't as well known or as well practiced of a model. You know, it was affiliates, license, and franchise, and it was pretty much fri- pretty much franchise. And then this affiliate thing, everybody was very happy for all those reasons. But then slowly and surely, affiliates. Well, I want some help in my marketing. I want some business coaching. I want to be in control of the media you're putting out there, whether it's games, athletes, or grandma at home. I want to have this. And slowly and surely, the affiliates started requesting them up from what I've seen and the conversations I have all the time, they are asking for an infrastructure that looks more like a franchise. Oh yeah. It's just like what I look at with Chaz or whatever they're calling it now, the in Seattle. You know the six blocks have been taken over. Oh yeah. So those six blocks that are taken over by, you know, the whatever is the Capitol Hill autonomous zone. <laughs> and they're like, we just want a free market where people can come and go and there's no money. You can't use money here and everyone just give and now they're finding out like, well well, who's going to be in charge with our demands to the government? Well, who's going to help get the food in? And slowly and surely, they're making an infrastructure that looks like government. Right. And it's super, like people don't realize like the things that are behind the scenes in that. And I think for $3,000, it you you shouldn't ask for anything. For th- you know, except for access to the the name, if you so believe it to be worth you know the money. I I just think that it's one of those things that. If you speak to the person who's ever run a business before, the pitch is way different. Hey, you're going to pay $3,000 a year, and we're going to dump $80 million into advertising. Yeah. You in or you out. That alone is worth it. That is actually valuable. Your site, and everyone's like, all you get is your you know, your name on a site map. And sure. you're like, um, I'm sorry. CrossFit.com. Have you Googled it recently? Yeah, the yeah. page ranking of CrossFit.com, the, the, the link juice, if everyone wants to talk about SEO and their expertise and they're telling me that their pictures are wrong and that's why their SEO isn't working and they don't even know what SEO stands for. Well, SEO, Google created this and backlinks were the juice. It is the lifeblood of SEO. Having something as dominant as CrossFit.com's domain linking to your site gives you more juice than you'll get probably in the entirety of your business. Easily. So don't tell me. So like most people, like they say $3,000. Oh my, people pay $3,000 just to be shouted out by sites that have that kind of accreditation to be sent back to their site. That's how SEO works. So it's like the business pitch was so different because they actually had to craft it to the person who's never owned a business before. 
So they're like, well, $3,000, I better be getting everything when the most person's like, 3000 bucks? Yeah, sure. I'm not even thinking about that number. 100%. And if you are thinking about that number, you have to rethink if you actually should be in this business, yeah. right? Like we talked about flex early on with like the high price point of it. And it was like my point, yes, I was starting with a customer who was looking at this as like, I have my rent payment <laughs> and then I have my flex payment. And now all the eyes are on that when the truth is, why so many products are being priced in that commodity zone is because they just become a line item. Well, guess what? Flex for Charlotte Athletic Club is a line item. They don't even think about it. You know what I mean? So I think that that's kind of where this whole licensing thing comes into it. When you look at the power of what CrossFit can do for you, should you de-affiliate? I don't know. Are you ready to give up on $80 million of that, having some sort of awareness of what's going on? That's what you should be thinking sure. of, and it should be a business decision. It should not be an ethics decision because these are the the thoughts and the feelings of one man. Correct. And the truth is, as as cliche as it sounds, when you look globally, CrossFit is so much bigger than Greg Glassman. It's not even close. He didn't had he'd had no idea. He said it. He had no idea how big CrossFit was going to be. He couldn't have known. Yeah. Anybody that knows that kind of like, you're you're not. No one can predict the future like that. Yeah. CrossFit is more than just him. And in ten days, this will be a non news item. You and me talked about the only thing that can make this a huge news item is going to be the, uh, you know, that Andy Strump um, podcast where he talked about some possible Me Too stuff. Right. And then here's the big one. But again, and to me, and the, this is no dilution of brand. I think that the take the brand takes a hit and the right heads need to roll. And sure. then everything just goes back to normal. Yes, There is no problem there. 100%. Right? Like, again, it's top-down leadership. It doesn't matter if your entire front line are the most – ethical, moral people ever, if the person in charge, even if it's only one single person, does not feel like that, the way for them to grow as managers and leaders in their own communities will come from top down. Now, here's where I see uh, high you know, metropolitan markets, uh, CrossFit New York, New York City, CrossFit NYC. Let's say they stayed affiliated and they said, listen, regardless of Greg's uh, comments, we are going to stay affiliated, blah, blah, blah. And then Me Too kind of accusations come out and then they de-affiliate. Now the headline is, oh, so over the Black Lives Matter, George Floyd thing, you didn't de-affiliate, but over the female thing. Now, the part of me is like, well, yeah, but there's a lot more women who do CrossFit and own CrossFits than probably Black Lives, Black people, period. So like, there's this thing like, oh my God, I didn't feel like I was going to get in that big of a trouble for Black Lives Matter. But now that it's a woman, a female thing, now I realize I'll have a thousand, two thousand, ten thousand pissed off people at me. I, and I just think you'd like if anyone goes one way but didn't go the other way, the Black Lives Matter, I think there's a potential for a bit of an uproar. There's potential, but again, I think that's the same thing. It's always the the loud minority. Correct. And something like that, the truth is that the order of magnitude of those two events are completely different. One is a dumb fucking Tweet. thing that was said. That was completely irresponsible. I think that's the best word to describe it. It's not – people say – and I get it. I don't think it was racist. And, and all this. And it's Racially like, insensitive. Forget it, it. The idea was it was irresponsible for a guy in the position that he's in. Guess what? At some point, you become a celebrity. You become a person that people follow. You have a direct responsibility. We've started to dilute that as a culture because so many more people are famous than they used to be. Right? YouTube, things like yeah. that just make – Instagram, they make more people famous. And I mean I even remember when I went to college as a D1 athlete – our first thing, our first class that they talked to us about, we had our own class that was just for athletes. And it talked to you about like, hey, people How are going to look up to you attention. on class. Yeah, people are going to look up to you on campus and people are going to talk to you. Now, again, I didn't necessarily experience any of that, but it was important for them to show like, hey, this is what's about to happen and you need to prepare for it. Nowadays, like people go Instagram and they get famous and no one ever tells them, 
And then they come out in a, an apology video and say, I didn't ask for this. Yeah. You know, like, the I don't want to be held. To, and it's like, well, if you don't want to be held to that standard, then don't get in front of a group of people and tell them that they should follow you. Yeah. Because that's what you're asking. You're literally asking for them to follow you. And then when they do and you do something wrong, you say, don't take it from me. It's like, well, then I won't follow you. Then don't fucking ask for that. Yeah. It seems like such an obvious thing. So if you look at the Black Lives Matter versus the, like, the potential Me Too, the me potential too Me yeah. Too stuff, that's things that happened yes. versus things that were said Correct. once or twice. And I'm not saying that it's the community that it's impacting is not the same level of magnitude, but the actual effort to go into like talking to people and touching and crossing physical space, like that's a whole different issue. One of them and you that's go to jail for, really, the other you yeah, can't. I think easily. that's when one's freedom of speech, even if it fucking hurts yes. the deep, the depth of my soul even sure. to be like, yeah, I wish we could just say there's some things you just shouldn't say, right? But the truth is, freedom of speech. We don't have freedom to cross those boundaries. Correct. And I do think that, I'll say this, listening to Andy, that's his name? Yeah, yeah. It's the first time I've ever listened to him. Yeah. Steve he's was telling me that he's been on Joe Rogan. Yeah, 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 I never really caught him there. Um, one of the most well-spoken people I've ever listened to. And there's no way he didn't do a tremendous amount of preparation, most likely with a team of people, probably a lawyer. About Like, the language that he used so obviously just went against any challenge legally sure. that he could come up with. Hey, I'm not saying this, this, and this. I am saying this. He, that was the structure of his entire thing. And it was, I mean, if that doesn't, I know it puts, like, some weird pressure on the women to stand up. And that it is kind of scary in there, but I mean, I think that that's the kind of stuff. That, I mean, we're going through an uncomfortable time right now, anyway. hundred percent. So it's super interesting to see how people kind of handle that so responsibility. Do you think it'll populate? Do you think it'll cut? Do you think some Me Too I shit mean, will come out? Uh, you just had to take be. a guess. If I had to take a guess, I would say, yeah, I do. I do because I think right now is a time that we're going to see a bunch of people talk about it in their inner circles. And start to make moves, and we've all, like you already mentioned Jason Kalipa and Bergeron, and the and there are pe- how many people pulled out of the game so far? Like I have no 15, idea. Yeah. twenty athletes have already pulled out. Like the top people that people want to watch, and when you see waves like that happening, there's so much for what you're seeing on the surface. There's ten times more going on behind the scenes. So you that's got, what makes me feel like there. You got there's the Jerry, the the, the, the um, Epstein documentary on Netflix is still trending. That's oh one my of the top goodness! Ones. Have you, yeah. Did you watch that? Yeah. Whew. I'm watching it Fuck. again. I it's, watched it when it first came, and I was like, kind of like watching it at night, like half ass. Yeah. And now I'm just like, oh my like, god. I just want to watch, and now I know what not to do. So right. I get caught. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just like people who watch like true crime so they can commit the murder. Um, An ice pick. I never thought of that. <laughs> so, but like with that whole thing aside, yeah, I think in my opinion, um, I, I it's not that I hope it does because I obviously hope wish nothing. I didn't want to, I didn't want the brand of Cross to deteriorate away from that. But it, I'm not gonna lie. I'd really like for any more craziness that's going to happen. If it could just all get done in 2020, if I could just bottle up 2020 as like that drunk chick at the bar that is just going insane. Like, just letting it all out. I, that way yeah. I could just have my 2021 and I don't have to deal with this uh, this craziness. But anyway, moving on from that whole thing because uh, – well, I'd like to touch real quick on that. We mentioned uh, before we record, we were talking about the the opportunistic grabs of the the license models that Kalipa released. I, I think I heard Ben Bergeron's doing one as well. It makes sense to me. I ha- there are gyms that are going to be like that person who cannot not be in a relationship. Like they break up with one person and they're immediately dating another person. Like they right. cannot, and they're like, "You're living with them. You just moved out of John's house." Like, right? I I see that for some gyms. Like I just need to be a part of something. I need to circle the wagons. I want the comfort of being in a group. I want to snuggle with other gyms underneath yeah. the brand, and, and and that's cool and that's fine. 
I think, so I did a podcast with Jim uh, at OPEX the other day. Oh, cool. And we were talking about it. The economic engine of these license models, I'm really curious on. And again, I'm sitting here and I'm talking with people and we're doing the franchise discussions. But I'm really interested on the license thing because I've obviously considered that. I've talked with, you know, Metabolic and those guys like about their decision to do this versus that. I think license programs are always going to suffer. And again, you you obviously don't work with OPEX and I talked to Jim about this. Seven thousand. Let's say your license is ten thousand dollars a month. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, ten thousand dollars a year. How many would you need? Because the difference between to actually make a, an have an economic engine that can create significant lead generation and marketing for these other these other locations. Because you look at Orange Theory. Orange Theory, the big thing. Why do they all open up with four hundred plus members in pre sales before the actual doors actually open up? Because one percent of everyone's million dollars or whatever it is in royalties go to a marketing campaign that allows them to advertise on New Year's Eve and during the Super Bowl and all that. I don't think that ten thousand dollars a year you would need thousands of gyms at that rate to create the amount of money to put awareness out there and then you got to make a brand message that is uniform, but with a license model, you can't enforce. Like somebody could be like, uh, we're going to do on it clubs and maces. We're going to do the <laughs> clubs and whatever the fuck that weird ass juggling fitness is that fucking Joe Rogan likes doing. Like we're going to fucking whack ourselves in the dick with clubs. And then, you know, NC fits like, no, 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 we don't whack ourselves in the dick with clubs. You can't do that. Like guys, it's not part of it. I'm like what you're going to do about it. And they're fu- like, you have no control. So even if you made that economic thing viable, You'd have he'd have to put out this cohesive brand message that might not apply at the ground level, unlike franchising, which is locked, sealed, and the keys thrown away. Like you're in it, you're contractually in it. You're like these right. things are. So, what are your thoughts on that? Like gyms, are, like again, Urban Movement. Urban Movement's been talking about doing the franchise thing forever and wanting to recreate. This was a great. This is a great real estate grab. We're not taking any part of it. We're not even close to being ready for it. But what do you think about a license model like that to land grab? Um, available real estate in the CrossFit affiliation kind of uh, de-affiliation scene. It's interesting. I mean, I think that the biggest opportunity without having an unbelievably capital-intensive approach to it, right? So unless you're going to be a brand that's as big and rich as CrossFit, it has to go end up under your marketing budget, right? It has to end up in like being associated with things all over, right? So like you don't give a shit that you went to a McDonald's off of highway, you know, 800 that was like oh this one sucked you're i'm never going to a mcdonald's again sure. no you just go oh that was a shitty one let me go do another yes. one so that's the play if you want to do the real estate thing it's having so much in the market that there are ones that are okay and then one's okay and no one gives a shit yep now in my opinion to have something like that you better be commodity priced because that's why you don't care if mcdonald's costs you a hundred dollars a meal you'd go to one hate it and then never go to another Correct. one in your life right so the fact that it's the cheapest thing and i think that where we saw this collapse of going too high a price was one of my favorite sandwich shops, Quiznos. It's a perfect example. They use the toaster. Holy shit. That was their thing. And what they, I'm going to say they failed to recognize, of course they recognized it. They failed to do anything about it was the fact that a toaster is not IP. (laughs) We toast our sandwiches at home, right? And you just did it in commercial. Um, But they went with the, as many as, I mean, if you watch their arc, in the early 2000s of how, like, oh my God, how many were opening at a time. But then just as many were closing because they were at a price point that valued that toaster higher than what the average person would, which means that you go to your first Quiznos experience and you're like, oh, toasty. <laughs> yeah. That was their slogan. Um, they go, oh, this is good. Then you go to one you don't like and then you stop going because an $8 sandwich that doesn't taste good is no longer worth it. 
right? If they were $4 sandwiches, if they competed price-wise with Subway and went underneath them rather than other you'd be more willing to accept the shit that you get from there, right? Yeah. So I think that if you're going to go with a license model, most likely you're going to have to find something that, A, is not the business. And what I mean by that is, so let's say CrossFit example. You open up a CrossFit affiliate, you're a CrossFit so-and-so, and anything else you want to offer there comes under the overarching brand of CrossFit. Scary. Better, I own Stu's Gym, and I do CrossFit and Pilates, and that, and the perfect model to follow there is Zumba, right? Zumba did it unbelievably well because you never went down the street and saw a Zumba gym. Correct. But they sold the concepts and the content, and that's where the brand value comes from because then you can control how it's delivered to each one of these. Les Mills, yes. another yeah, so perfect that's, example. That's exactly where I was going to go. Right? And pump. they're high level. They have a ton of digital content. They have assets ready to go. You'd feel like you joined a franchise just by getting their license. And that's what I think is like the sweet spot, which is how do you scale? Well, you scale with digital offerings and content, yeah. things that will not be easy for the end owner to the end person, like the owner. Licensed brick and mortar owner. is going to be very difficult. Super it's tough. It's just because brick and mortar in and of itself is so capital intensive. It's so fucking, it, it's crazy. You know, if you want, you know, uh, a lot of CPAs, and I know like uh, Profit First Accounting would want 25% of your revenue is your rent. So your rent shouldn't exceed 25% of your revenue. Um, and there's a lot of gyms in multi, you know, in uh, downtown areas that are paying great. Like it, it just, it's so intensive that if you're a part of a franchise and you're going to pay then, and you're going to lose even just a half a percent or 1% of your margin to your license fee, that license fee, if I'm going to pay 10 grand a year, it better generate me X amount, 20, 30, 40 grand a year in business, which is the marketing arm, which no one's figured out. Not oh, again, I'll say this OPEX. I I'm, I'll see how I'm impressed. I'll be impressed to see how NC fit does it. Someone has to show me that they could hire a group like the Tombis group and I go ahead and Google the Tombis group out of, I believe it's uh, Chattanooga, Knoxville, Tennessee. That's the marketing engine behind orange theory. That's the company that has their main contract and they're the ones that make it that when you open it up, we put this in here, these door hangers, these things, these things, these 17 plays simultaneously for X amount of money. It has part of your initial franchise fee. Boom. That's how you get 400 members in. Right. By having all these plays happening at once. But it's also because when you take it to a granular level of an independent business owner opening up a business, marketing is a cost. Correct. And the truth is your business will not succeed until marketing is an investment. Yes. And marketing as an investment, the clear indication that it's different is a cost is like, I need to run a Facebook ad. Let me put $500 behind it and hope that it works. And then an investment is, I know if I put $500 behind a Facebook ad, I will yield 800 Yeah. And does that scale? Or That's when the investment. Your economic ability is that... Um, I can again where I can where I can uh, I have the economic ability to do a bunch of everything versus a micro gym owners like I have five hundred dollars where do I put my five hundred and yeah. like your line is always go get the t-shirts and hand them out yeah because you need about <laughs> five thousand over here in uh, billboards you need about five thousand over here in Facebook ads you need ten thousand in fucking direct mailers you need you know payroll of twenty fucking outdoor pop up workouts and tents all over town like it's such a bigger thing and well, I'm, I'll be surprised if the license model can support that and I think Jay Z has an awesome quote that I'm going to steal for this. And he says, "You, um, if you can't buy it twice, you can't afford it. And I think that's such an interesting thing to take into. Like, I've never scale. heard that quote. I love it. It's a great quote because I used to think about this all the time. And I actually have a blog that's half written. That's um, the difference between um, being able to buy something and being able to afford something. Yes. And 
when you look at a lot of the marketing plays, what I always joke around is that people do a middle out. They go, I need to be doing Facebook advertising. So, hey, Joe, can you help me with my Facebook advertising? And I'm like, cool, what are you advertising for? What's the goal? Right, because there are actual different goals. And if you go into Facebook, they tell you, you're trying to reach as many people as you can. Yeah. Are you trying to engage Video, as many people as you can? Plays, are yeah. you trying to convert as many people? Like, so they're, they're trying to, to fucking spoon feed you, but they can't make it so stupid that anybody could do it because the truth is there's some complexity to marketing. Sorry that it's not just so fucking easy everybody can do it. And I think what happens a lot of the time is that people look at it like, I know this is the medium by which I need to execute the strategy, but I don't have a goal in mind. So one of the th- why are you opening up a CrossFit gym? You find out that a lot of people want to open a CrossFit gym because they want to own a fucking business. It has nothing to do with delivering as many health to as many people as possible. The truth is, deep down, when they really get sat down, you had a few drinks in them, and you're like, hey, what's your... Oh, I want to own my own business. Well, I could have saved you a ton of money. But start a fucking LLC. It's $180, and you mail it in, and now you have your own company. Cool. You didn't need to fucking buy a building and put a bunch of shit in it to hope that it's going to work. And so I think that it's people that attack the middle when really you got to start from the beginning. What am I trying to do, right? So it's like, oh, I, I love Stu's videos. I'm going to go spend 1500 bucks to get a quality video made of my gym that I'll be able to use on my website and I'll be able to use in my advertising and I can't wait. And you hire somebody and they're able to truly execute what $1,500 worth of video could look like in a single 30-second advertisement, which by the way is a cheap price Very if, it's, cheap, if yeah. it's really good, right? Yeah. And it's so good, in fact, that everybody's first impression of your gym is awesome until they walk into the fucking thing and your website doesn't work and no one answers the phone. And when you email them back, you don't put any links. And they're just like, oh, this was all bullshit. Well, guess what? You just wasted $1,500 because you tried to project a brand that is not your own. You tried to put out this story about how beautiful everything is when you don't have your shit together. So I always try to say, like, try to match the rawness to what you're actually able to afford all the way through yeah. because nothing matters more than consistency. And it's not just consistency in posting. It's not just as people that get on TikTok and go, hey, I'm here doing a TikTok today because Gary V told me if I post every single day. And guess what? You still only got six views. You know why? Because that's not authentic. You're just fucking saying it and you have no goal in mind. There's no real attention to grab and you're not sending any people anywhere. There's no consistency across. It's not just consistency in delivering. It's consistency across the message, across all mediums. And I think that that's like a big miss by a lot of the licensee packages, yeah. right? They look at it like, we got the Facebook marketing guys. Like we're going to put these, yeah, they're going to get you 700 leads a month. If you can't build a business of that, you suck. And it's like, well, no, that actually has nothing why they can't build a business. It's because when they get there, they don't know how to deliver your product. They don't know how to talk about it. They don't look like your product. There's so many other things that go into it. And that's why I always think, I think I've even said it on here. I definitely said it in spring training. I was just rewatching those videos to see what we talked about back then. And um, I talked about it there where people were talking about um, anybody coming into your facility and, you know, what is their first impression? And uh, I kind of lost my train of thought there. No, but so uh, I wanted to – on that, you know, the other thing too, like, you know, I'm going to get a video made for $1,500. Do you realize that in our market where you're really looking for that maybe four to 10-mile radius, you're going to run that video for what, uh, two months, three months? You're going to need another one. Yeah. Like ad fatigue is going to get so – because your market is so small, ad fatigue gets higher. So you need another $1,500 video. By the end of the year, you've dropped seven grand, eight grand just in videos alone. Like the pure scale of what marketing – what it takes. Like every gym's like, I want what Orange Theory has in lead generation. Why isn't that available to me? It's the same reason that, you know, that little shithole – 
fucking dive Mexican restaurant doesn't have the same line out the door that Chipotle does. It's just it's a different economic engine and you don't have it. And again, someone who's trying to crack that and figure out how could I potentially do that for myself and then potentially replicate it. It's, it's obvious as to why the franchises, the big ones, win at this game. And I think the licensees, unless there's a huge capital intensive, like somebody buys in and here is a millions of dollars to get going and get us as well-known as fucking the big guys. I just don't I see I remember it. what my train of thought was because it's what you just said. It's like getting all the leads because someone asked me, like, how do I get – I was like, if I was able to generate 250 leads a month for you, I wouldn't be here. Sure. I would be buying up 2,000-square-foot spaces – in the suburban areas of every fucking city and putting up some numb nuts who's willing to make 65 grand a year to run the whole thing while I just dump leads into their door and collect off the top. Which is what makes you wonder, like, why hasn't Alex Ramosi done that? Yes. If he's so good at filling gyms with people, why wouldn't he just own hundreds of gyms himself? Yeah. 100% owner. And find a 24-year-old that's unbelievably motivated, that has some business wit about him, and say, I'm going to pay you 60 grand a year, which is way more than you're making now, in any city that you live in. You can open up as many as you want and just fill them with leads because that's the only hard part. No, it's not because there's more to it than that. And I think that, that people want there to be this quick solution to everything. I was just having this conversation with somebody the other day about, like, why can't like, – and this is like – it reminded me of my early flex days – well, why wouldn't I just get a WordPress site? It only cost me $27 and yours cost me hundreds of dollars a month. And I'm just like, I'll tell you why. Because their marketing scheme is not, let me show you how good our websites are, right? Even if you go to Squarespace right now, sure. it's your business in life, right? It's like, oh my God, this is so cool. I get the chance to be my own business owner. The truth is if I stood in front of you and I put a fucking easel and a bunch of paint and I said, paint me a Van Gogh, You'd be like, uh, I, I can't do that. It's like, that's weird because you have the same materials in front of you that Van Gogh did. Why can't you do that? Well, that's what Squarespace is. Squarespace takes what I can do because that's what I spent my whole fucking life figuring out <laughs> and says, you can do it too. Yeah, so that's Canva. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, it's, there's no difference there. Yeah. It's like, you're not good enough to do it because you're not in that space. Yeah. So I think it's so funny that I just happen to be in a position of both development and marketing that all of the tools that developers create are like, let me make this so easy for you, even you can do it. But if you're not good at designing websites, you're not good at designing websites. It doesn't fucking matter what the tool is. Yeah. In the same way that I've been doing fitness for 15, 16 years, I had a trainer when I was 15 years old for baseball. I still cannot put together a programming workout. I can't put together a six-week program. I can't, why not? I've, I have all the experience. I have all the tools out there. I have people... Why can't it? Because it's not my fucking job. I'm not good at that. I didn't learn how to do it. I didn't go to school for it. I don't spend every single day trying to figure that part out. And, and so it always get, it kind of gets to me when people are like, oh, well, why can't I just use these? Use them. Sure. That was my line back then. Use them, and I'll yeah. talk to you in three months. The tools are available to everyone. And me and Boris were joking about this, talking about Canva. Canva now lets you edit video inside of Canva. And it's, you know, and whether, what's their tagline? Beautiful design should be accessible to everybody. And they do a great job. It is accessible to everybody but not everybody is able to create beautiful design. <laughs> right, it's just exactly. your brain just doesn't think like that. So, so like, and I, I tell people, like, hey, are you on Canva? They're like, yeah. And I'm like, cool. It's a pretty cool app, huh? They're like, yeah. I'm like, you ain't got shit with it, huh? They're like, yep. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, I get it, man. I get it. You got to have a creative side. Um, okay. I want to talk, we were jamming on this. I want to go on because what you've got going on with Studio, obviously that was a huge pivot for your company. And now what you're doing now 
is a really unique pivot. You're looking for brick and mortar and stuff like this. And I think this is going to be a really interesting topic because not everyone had to pivot online. Uh, a bunch of people were smart and went with studio with what you have. But I think the concept of you and your business pivoting and where your brain is at, I think a lot of people would be curious in. Okay. So just bring everyone up to speed real quick as to, um, you know, the pandemic hit. You pumped out studio, and for people that don't know, I'll let you pitch studio, but uh, Joe created studio um, by Flex, so that guy, we all had a way to have an on-demand fitness uh, entity to deliver a delivery method mechanism to give out our fitness, and then this next idea came out. Talk to me a little bit about that. So to circle back, Flex, as it stood before the pandemic, was um, websites with a CRM application all built into one. Um, we manage the sites for you. You can obviously edit things on your own, but we're always there to help you create new landing pages and things like that. And then a CRM tool that was built without the essence of what old CRMs had in them. It was built specifically for people in this position. Um, then when the pandemic hit and I realized that not only was some of my customers, well, I, 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 well, Flex, I'll just say it as a company now, um, we put out an email to all of our customers that Flex turned into a pay-what-you-can plan for the last three months. So that was how we felt we were kind of helping our community because at this point, the brick and mortars, we didn't know if they were going to be able to stay open. And the last thing we wanted to do was also remove their digital presence. So um, we do what's good. People were very supportive. Obviously, we still lost some business, not just from people like trying to cut down on their expenses, but also just from people going out of business, unfortunately. We had a couple MMA gyms that went out and they literally can't practice their sport anymore. So like their Shadow boxing is not worth $200 a month. Right, exactly. So um, that's when Studio came out. I won't go into the long term, but the quick pitch is just that it's a platform for people to create, distribute, and participate in on-demand fitness classes. Um, and I'll break it here that it's soon to be live fitness classes also. When does this come out? Um, I'm really good at getting the, I don't know. I, I, I would like to say this. What's today? Uh, Wednesday. Friday or Monday? Okay. So um, the new UI will definitely be in by the time this comes out, and I'll show you. I'll give you a sneak preview of that today. Um, but yeah, so I was looking at this, um, uh, this new product that I created that I'm super pumped about and that we spent probably the last three weeks redesigning to be something that we realize now is going to be a longer term thing for us. I think even at the time, I knew that this would be a tool that always existed. I always said that it would exist, would always have a free tier because I wanted people to be taking their efforts that they were putting into creating their digital product and be able to benefit them from the long in the long term, right? I didn't want this to be short term. These people are learning how to use cameras and go live and do all this stuff. And to be honest with you, the community's done a pretty good job. I'm actually fairly impressed and obviously i have like a real deep insight into it because i see thousands i mean right now on studio alone i think we have 2800 classes 2800 videos were made for just specifically for studio for people to be able to create work i mean that's unbelievable yes. so i get the back end so i get to see people's first three videos and their last three and it's incredible i like i hats off i'm very impressed by what people are willing to do when their ass is up against the, yeah, the, you know, when their ass is on the line. So super cool. Realized it was going to be a more substantial product for us, possibly one that even, I don't think it'll ever replace. I love what we do on the site and CRM side, but I do see this as being a, another offer, just another offering of our company. So I wouldn't say it's a pivot because we're still going to offer the sites and CRM, but this is just a, a different product, which by the way, in the future will tightly integrate with our CRM. Um, which got me to this idea that I think you wanted me to talk a little bit more about, which is kind of launching independent fitness brands using a product like this. 
Um, so I've had the unique opportunity. I've always in my life wanted to have a company. That's why if anyone that's on Flex has seen an invoice come through, they'll see the name Ringer on there. And that was a concept that I came up with a long time ago. And what I wanted to be was like an accelerator for people just getting into business. Like Y Combinator? Like a Y Combinator, but a lot less involved. Um, Y Combinator, for anyone who's not a nerd, is a incubator accelerator program out in California. Some of the best companies, uh, you know, the Ubers of the world, they get in there with their idea and then they're coached by the top coaches, the best software guys, the guys who have been in the space. And it accelerates your thing from concept to launch. Essentially. Yeah. So it could be concept to launch. It could be like a pivot. It could be, yeah. you already have some revenue. It could be a huge company. There's a bunch of different plays they have now. Clu uh, Clovis, isn't Clovis still in it? Or Inclusive. Inclusive. Yeah. They got out of it. They so they're done. They're like, nice. and they got a million dollar investment from the founder of Y Combinator. Inclusive is a local one here in Charlotte. The coffee company we have here uses them. It's a, it's yeah, essentially Airbnb went through them. Yeah. Dropbox, like Reddit, like some of the biggest companies that we know today. So you wanted to be that kind of an incubator for fitness brands. Right. So I was looking to do something a little bit more specific. And even when it came out, it wasn't even just fitness. I wanted to be small startups and I didn't necessarily want to take what they could. I obviously knew that I would scale eventually, but in the beginning, my heart goes out to people that want to try to do it on their own. They're solopreneurs. They're groups of one and two and maybe three people who have an idea and want to bring it to life. And I'm uniquely qualified to help them because I've done almost everything in my life on a shoestring budget. And when you don't have the capital intensive natures of the companies that Y Combinator can get, because they immediately put 150,000 into them. That started as like 10. Now it's up to 150. It's probably going to be more next year. Um, how do we do it in a less capital intensive way? There's a lot of things that you can launch without having a ton of cash. I think that for less than $1,000, I can get you a pretty substantial startup um, in the digital space, right? I, it does have to be a tech focused thing. I'm not good in hardware or agriculture or anything like that. So what I realized that Studio gives me the opportunity to do is that Studio, unlike our CRM and websites, the CRM and websites is for getting customers. It's not for the delivery of your actual offering. And Studio became an actual offering. Like people were, and I, I actually have one customer who, whose gym closed down. And I was like, oh, so I was expecting the cancellation email. And he was like, hey, he's like, I'm wondering if I could get a new landing page. And I'm like, oh, uh, yes, yeah, sure. What were you looking for? He's like, oh, well, I've been really, I dove into Studio. And I actually shut down my brick and mortar because I wasn't able to make that work. But I can scale my digital offering. And I've got most of my members already on there and I've already picked up a few more from people who canceled because of the high price. I was able to bring back at $30 a month from our studio and I'm just doing studio now. And I was like, whoa, this is super cool. I'm super excited. So I dove in, talked to him a little bit more and then I've just connected in these spaces to other people that want to start their own things and um, able to kind of launch brands. And this is my first opportunity to now go in and say, Someone wants to launch a fitness brand, start day one. What do we want to do, right? And this is, again, it's not supplements. That It's literally the delivery of online fitness, right? So it's online group classes, but you can definitely have a personalized aspect to it. And what I'm doing right now is creating what I would think of as a curriculum for people to get started running their own business. And I think what my goal for Ringer was to make you aware of the things that you're going to have to face through the life of your business um, early on that you may not realize as a part of it, right? Like I think a lot of people look at that owning their own business as their chance to be free. And that's the truest part, right? Like you don't want someone else telling you what you need to do and at what time. Because like for me, I always looked at it like I'm super productive from like 9 p.m. to 2 a.m. Not too many jobs will let me have those hours, right? So I always wanted that for myself. 
And rather than try to find the job, I was like, I'm going to create the job. And I think that that's a lot of people's motivation. What they don't realize is how much fucking work it is, right? Like I think Lori Grenier has that quote that's like, entrepreneurs are the crazy people who are willing to work 80 hours a week sure, for themselves avoid, and not work 40 for someone else. hour a week for someone else. And um, so given all that, I was like, I've just learned a lot because I also started Flex by myself. It was just me all the times. And uh, there was definitely a time when I went through like a, a kind of a slight depression. I found out that's actually a thing, like a founder's depression where the lows you feel are literally deafening. Like they ruin your whole life kind of lows because you may not make rent. You may not like these really tough things. You have to, you can't go out with your friends, right? You lose your gym. You remember I didn't yep. have a gym membership, which is wild for me. And the highs are not as high because there's no one to celebrate them with because I was doing it on my own. So there's like these, just these little things that I think I can help people decide through this incubator process if they're actually interested in having their own business. And so how, how I always saw the model working was that they would sign on with me for three or six months, like something in there, and they would work for me, for one of the brands that I own or one of the companies that I own, and I would pay them. And during that time, they'd also be working on their own. So it was like half time for me, half time for them. Sure. The jobs that they'd be doing for me are some of the things that they're going to have to be good at when they're, so they're, they're on the job training, but not with their own stuff, with an already created system, with an already, like there's already polish to it so that you're just going in and being functional. It's a practical application, boot camp kind of thing. Yep. Crash. So I'm going to keep you busy. You're going to be learning some shit, but then my job with my job ends, your job with me ends. And now you got to go work you know, burn it at both ends of the candle on your thing. Now it's up to you. So what I always looked at was like, I think that at the end of the three months, if we had a class of even as small as like 15 different bit, which is a lot, if you really think about it, you're going to get half the people that are just like, ah, I don't think this is for me. I didn't realize that oh, yeah, I, I have to do 80 it plus percent. Right. So, but if you look at that, what I think is cool about it, and this was like kind of the point where I didn't want to take it online and I wanted to be in person because I think being surrounded by those people is important. And I think that's what Y Combinator does so well. So just to give a little bit more insight there, you fly out and live in California for three months. doesn't matter where in the world you live. You're there on site for three months. You're meeting with people. You're constantly surrounded by other founders. So like you may get a little bit of that competitive spirit yep. of like that. Creative may, juices are flowing. You're also, when you're down, the people that you're around understand. And that was another thing that I didn't take into account when I started my own company. And I was older. I was 30 really when I really started my own thing. That was my whole thing, right? Flex is my first taking over my life kind of job. And you're so invested in it that at the end of a day, you've hit so many highs and lows and someone turns to you at a beer at eight o'clock and goes, oh, how was your day? And you're like, I, I can't tell you. Yeah, you like, can't relate. First of all, I can't, you can't relate. I can't imagine having to tell you the backstories of all. Like none of it's going to make sense isolated. You're going to think I'm overreacting to everything. It but, was good. Right. And that's what you end up saying. Yes, but it was fine. And so I think being around people is super important. So I want to bring these people together. And the goal is that they realize that with each other, they can do more. So at the end of it, either A, they end up, wow, this was perfect. I got everything I needed to know. I'm leaving with 80 hours under my belt of this new company that I just started. I end up owning a percentage of it because I helped you. And you go off into the world and do your own thing and join our network of people that you're then going to be helping get through. Because I think those like give back programs are the most important part. I think you'll get a second set of people who realize that they weren't ready to do it on their own or their own idea wasn't good enough. And they link up with other people that have complementary talents and realize that a business together may make more sense. Now they join forces, use that same knowledge and go out into the world. Then the third option, which is my personal favorite, I call it the fail safe, which is if you're doing well, 
I'll hire you. Sure. Because yeah. now you already know our processes. You're a part of the machine. Maybe and you realize like, this business was not for you. Exactly. You're, better, you're a better number two or number three. And whether that's for Ringer, like as we're going to be helping new entrepreneurs, or for one of the subsidiary companies, like, right? You, oh, you're going to work on the Flex CRM side, right? You're going to work on studio. You're going to be a content creator. Like, there's so many different ways to then plug these good people in. Um, and obviously what I would do is for something like this, I have to make sure my time is valued properly. So there, the entry process is the, it's a high hurdle. Like it's not just, Hey Joe, I want to sign up. How much is it? Right. First of all, if it's all done the way I want it to be, it's free. I'm paying you because you're going to be working with me. Um, but truthfully, like I want to see investment. I want to see a business plan. I want to see your ideas and it probably won't be a business plan because I don't really believe in those, but like, I want to see some of the work you're going into, the ideas that you have, what your assets are, and I'm going to be, like, interviewing. So I look at this, and if I get 20 applications, they all suck. I'm just not going to fucking do it because it doesn't make sense unless the people are also you right you got to see there's got to be an opportunity in the back end. Right. right. If you're Correct. So you've got two case studies of this locally that you're you're doing a very is – it, is it the same variation of what you just described? I think it's the first iteration. It's an MVP, got so it. to speak. So it's very much like I'm learning too. So – so do the shock. So with Shakti, that's one. If you've seen the vlog, I've had them on the vlog a few times. They, they you know, it's a girl named Lauren. What's Lauren's last name? Uh, Mickaby. Yeah, yeah. I, I always fucked that exactly. up too. Yeah. yeah. So Lauren owns uh, Thrive Essential, correct? Essential Thrive. Essential Thrive. And she does a version of yoga called Shakti. Essentially, it is this twerking, you know, glow sticks, black lights, dark, very sexual based yoga, dance, choreographed type fitness experience. So it's a little less, it's a little bit less. So that's definitely a part of the experience. So like if they're doing, but it's really just a variation of yoga. Okay. It's a variation of yoga that encompasses movements that also include dance and also include fitness. Like she'll do planks. She'll do like, I, I hate using high intensity. It's like, you know, the, uh, what are they called? Like calisthenic type sure. exercises with yoga. And the lights and the glow sticks and the twerking and the music are all part of the experience, but not necessarily part of the practice, Got it. right? This is very much, and this is obviously, I'm getting a lot more insight onto this than I had originally when, when I just started with her, but it's really interesting to find the why. And I was kind of listening outside your door uh, before I got here um, to the person you were talking to on the phone, don't know who it was, but you were talking about like Urban Movement's brand, the logo just is a logo until you're big enough that people are like, where did that logo come from? And you could tell them a story. Her the beginnings of shock. It's unbelievable. She had it's breast surgery. So she had, foundational. Yeah, like had, it's so so meaningful. Yeah. She had the uh, she had breast implants that went south. She had to have them removed. Right. If she had a surgery, she's got kids. She's got a. She's mom. a single mother of two. Yeah. Running online fitness classes, running a business that would blow people's minds if they knew like the back end of what she's able to do with such little resource. Well, so I, that, that's what I get to. So she was, she's able to put around 150 to 200 people in my building when they come and they do a Shakti thing here. And there's no connection between her doing this here and what she's doing with Joe. This is purely coincidental. Mm-hmm. Um, she's a local single and she would technically just, does she, she doesn't have her own brick and mortar. She just would go and do classes at other brick and mortars. Yep. Correct. She has, a, she had a recurring contract at one recurring yeah. contract at one. And then COVID hits and her and Joe link up and she starts doing studio right? Classes and live. Yeah, she's, she's doing live online. She was doing live Zoom, online yeah. with Zooms. And just like, like how many people would she have attending at this point? Like what was her following like? Um, so I think in the beginning it was kind of unbelievable. Like she was getting 40 and 50 and 60 on the first couple. And then I'd say over the span that she's been doing them for the last like eight or nine weeks, you're seeing consistent 110 to 180 and the, $10 what's a the person. Average, $10 a person. 
and this is for an hour class. Now, how much of that is on the brand of yoga that she's doing is so niche that she's really your best bet, or it's not that niche. More people do it. She just does it the best. She invented it, so she's the only person practicing it. She actually recently got – I was supposed to get rid of – she recently um, uh, let go of her – uh, program to build up more teachers of it. She felt like it was still Creating on company. her Got to it. be to be like the solicitor, so to speak, of this. Is it a trait? Like, how does she protect that? Um, great question. That's some of the stuff that we're working on now. So I can't go into super detail, but like a lot of the stuff that we're working on now is protecting the IP yep. over the long run. Now, what she does have going for it is that she's been doing it for ten years. Sure, it's hers. It links back as far as possible. So if anybody told you she went to court with anybody, it'd be a clear paper trail. Yes, that, yeah, this very is difficult. Me. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And just remember guys, you don't have to trademark everything. Trade you get you like so right. you don't have to trademark. By the anything. way, trademark doesn't actually mean anything. The Correct. TM means that you don't legally have it. The register, the R yeah, the is R. the one that you pay. Correct. Like, trademark just means that you yes. kind of kind of But have if it. she didn't do any of that and she wanted to take somebody to the court, she'd easily be able to show the physical, which is the best thing about the internet now. Is yeah. that you would easily show that paper trail for however long she's been doing it. Um so now, okay, she's got this great online business now. Everyone can do the quick math on those numbers you just gave there. Realize she's she's killing it. So how is this incubator-like program? Talk to me a little bit about this particular case. Study. So here's what was so cool about it, right? So at a similar time, um, my girlfriend kind of wanted to start her own fitness online brand. And she was just starting from scratch. She's always wanted to have her own business, but she's never actually delved into trying it. And what I realized that these two businesses had in common, even though one was around for at a minimum of four years, she's been delivering paid for classes of Chakti in Charlotte for someone who's never done a single one. Their digital forefront was almost identical, right? Like there was no digital footprint. You're talking about slim website stuff. And that's why when people are like, oh, my SEO is the reason my gym's not working. It's like, really? This girl didn't even have a website, right? It was a subsidiary of a different website. Kind of like Flex. Kind of like Flex, right? Where it's like, no, no, if the product's there, you can build a business around it. So Correct. stop thinking that it's everything else. So what I'm able to do for both of them is kind of help them start to structure the digital presence in a way that's, A, scalable, meaning that like it's not just duct taped together in the hopes that it works. It's something that is definitely more entry level, so to speak, but can scale up to what they would need. And B, is maintainable by them. And even when I got it, I mean, a great example is like when I started with Lauren, she was actually working with someone else um, – in a bit of a barter deal that he was building her this new application to run Chakti basically online. And the truth is this guy had his chops. I talked to him. He knew what he was building, but he had pie in the sky. Like his thought, basically what he was building is what another one of my buddies happens to be working for a startup that just built something very similar. And they just got a million and a half in funding. Like he had the right idea, but for him to do it. And what I turned to her and what the advice that I was able to give her at that moment was like, Hey, this may be the perfect tool, but you need to understand something. If anything happens to this guy, no dead. one can maintain it. Yeah. So even if this product is perfect, the day that, uh, God forbid, something he happens to COVID. him or he says, this isn't fun anymore, which is like number one in developers, right? Like we are all in on something until we did it. And they were like, ah, maintenance mode, next. Let me find the next thing. This is why I started flexing in the first place because so many people did that with websites, right? Like they build these beautiful websites that were unmaintainable. So... I'm able to set them up with something that they can then control on the back end and start to help scale their businesses. So I kind of taken them and, and then what I'm doing and more specifically with um, my girlfriend than Chakti is I'm having them document day by day. 
So she's going, she has to get either, and it could be, and this is something that I will take with me to Ringer. It could be written, it could be video, it could be audio. Every single day, you talk about something you Journaling. learned and yep. what you're doing, right? Like, how this worked, like, today was a tough day. I realized that only six people were signed up. My website crashed. Like, anything that happened to you, or, wow, I, you know, I talked with Joe, and this was one thing that I took away from it. Because a lot of times I speak to people, these thoughts come to me, I don't realize what are the ones that really impact them. And so I'll give a, a brief example that I think could be very beneficial for the people on the call that are the people that are listening that maybe didn't start their company yet and they're thinking about it and they're at a different job, right? They're working for someone else right now. I feel like a good percentage of your listeners maybe are not sure. necessarily business gym owners yet. And so she was a similar thing. She was running a gym for somebody else. And she turns to me, and I don't think she'll mind me sharing the story. She turns to me one day and she goes, oh my God, like I really want to try my own thing. But like, I want to deliver online classes and obviously I can't do that because it's a conflict of interest. But like, man, like I know that if I start, I would be able to just jump into it. And I looked at her and I was like, oh, you, you think that's the only thing you can do? And she's like, what do you mean? I was like, what about everything else that goes into having a business? Do you have a domain? Do you have a brand? Do you have an idea of who you're going to market to? Do you have an idea of what your product's going to be? Do you have your pricing figured out? Do you have your offering? Do you have the onboarding program? Do you know how you're going to attract people? Do you, and I just started listing off all, how are you going to campaign against them? Like, what's the essence of your product? What's going to differentiate you? These are all the questions that normally in a business class, they'd they say, put it in a business plan. I think the business plans can be a little archaic to be perfectly sure. honest with you. Um, but I do think there's sections of them that are super important that you don't have to start with the fucking product. There's enough other things that you have to figure out, which by the way, number one, your finances. Most people don't know their own finances well enough to actually know if they should start their own company. Yeah. And right now, if you're going to start your own company and do it in the hardest way possible, which is quit your job and start your company, which I don't necessarily recommend. Um, you better have six months of runway. Sure. Minimum. At a minimum. And you know you, what I mean? And I think that those are the kinds of things that I'm kind of going with them along. And then I'm coming up with like ways that they can leverage what they already have. So obviously Lauren's in a place where she already has a, a, a foothold on an audience. Yep. She already has, she's spoken about it enough that she's like, oh, like she, her answers are so concise. She knows exactly how to describe things. And when I realized, I was like, ooh, cool, let me help her. So then I turned to Corianne and I'm like, okay, hey, this is what I want you to do today. I want you to call 15 people to talk to them about your new business. Sure. And she's like, you're, well, what's you're the taking point? the sticks and starting the fire right. with Corianne. And then with Lauren, who already has it, you are adding, you're pouring gasoline on a fire that's already burning. Exactly. Essentially. Yeah. And so when you're talking about the startup, I'm, I, um, I've got a gym in New Jersey that we took, they were across the gym. They, they're, they're never opening back up. So COVID came and he wanted to walk away, you know, he wanted to flip the business, do something different. So he's just never opened that back up. We have a new concept and we're looking at spaces and all this stuff. And um, the biggest thing is I kept telling him, like it's, it's so much of this is theory and then there's math. So when you're starting a business, there's the theory of how I'm going to train my employees, how I'm going to brand this, how I'm going, you know, what my avatar, they're all just theories. It's a hypothesis, but then there's some basic math. And whether you're off by $10 or $10,000, the math will still play out and you just move the scale accordingly. But you got to have the hard line math, but you still have to have all this theory. Because while it's just theory, just guess, just hypothesis, you've got to at least have a cloud. You can still stand on it. It's yeah. still, it's something that you can stand up a business to have an idea and allow it to take a different shape as time goes on. But if you don't think of all those things like that you're listing off to her initially and there's so many gyms like even like on those initial business development calls like with people that questionnaire I ask is just like there's some like fuck dude I haven't thought of any of this I'm like well on question number seven how many years were you in business you put the number 11 
Have you never thought of this in 11 years? And think about it. You're still here. You're not doing great. But if you're fucking like, that's like being in a round, it's like being in a fight with Tyson. You made it 11 rounds or some shit. And like, you're still standing like, bro, imagine if you would have trained or if you were actually good at this, how well you could do. And and that's what I think too. It's like, I think early on too, people get so lost in a lot of the things. And there's usually like three basic things you can look at, which is what is your product and how well do you know it? And how is that going to get better? What are the finances that support the business model that you plan on going into? And then how are you going to tell people about it? And if you can answer those three questions you can make it pretty far and I mean even if you look at Lauren as an example uh, and I think it's so funny too because she's like she's the perfect case study for someone who's like just so good at what she does that it scales past what people see as blockers right like she's never run a single ad ever period right so as a gym owner who comes to me and gets on the phone with me I was like I'm only getting 25 leads a month what if she got 25 leads a month from an online thing, she'd have 25 new members. Are you there? Or are you trying to get 100 because you know you can only close two? Sure. Right? So it's like, and I'm not saying that it's at every, that's everybody's path. But if you take her as a perfect example, she sold out the Fillmore. She sold out 400 seats in an hour. She's only known in Charlotte. She has a fully substantial business that is scalable, by the way, to the world. This, this she will be at Coachella. She will be a third stage act at Coachella by 2025. You have my word. I'm going to make it happen because it can. Because she gets the product. She gets the – and she's willing to let go of the things she doesn't understand. She also she's willing to turn to me and say, listen, I want you to tell me about how you're going to market so I, I have an understanding and help. But this is your thing. I'm the, I know the product well. I need somebody else to help me with this and kind of stuff. the reason she knows the product well is because she actually created it herself. So for everyone who's a CrossFit gym that's listening to this, and I love how we always bring these things back around, and you're ditching the CrossFit name, but you plan on keeping the methodology, you will stay in the exact same position you were previously. Not one fucking iota will move until you actually take it and do something unique and different with it. Like you actually have to be, I mean, again, you can take a methodology like a fitness program like uh, CrossFit, constantly varied functional movements at high intensity, but you gotta put your own spin on it. You gotta do, you actually have to do something unique. This woman created this. But if you and me looked at it, we're ignorant bystanders. We'd be like, oh, that's just yoga. Right. So there's that level of brand where you and me don't know the brand whatsoever because we're not in, we're not yoga you know uh, users we are not educated on it and then there's someone who's been doing yoga for a while that's like oh my god this is the best form or this is the thing I like whatever so like it's the same thing in the micro gym market you're gonna have someone that walks by a gym like oh no is that Orange Theory no no that's CrossFit no it's not that's Urban Movement they don't fucking know anybody right. right it's all the fucking same but then you have somebody who is an experienced fitnesser to some degree walks in and goes oh this class was different than anything I've ever done now. The IP of that class style can be stolen and copied and imitated, you know, it duplicated, you know, imitated, never duplicated kind of scenario. Her thing too, people will steal the. I oh, mean, I told her. I was yeah. like, here, the one, number one thing you're going to have to get ready for is that there's going to be a hundred more Chaktis th- by the end of the year. Like, yes. that's, I'm going to put your brain in front of enough people who are like, I could emulate that. I, could, I, could I do have better. the energy I to do, do that. Better. I have a better at home studio. I have a better delivery platform. I have better marketing yep. chops, right? Like, and it's going to happen. But the truth is, it's inauthentic. And that will eventually reach a cap. So you have to be able to push past it. I think it's so funny to ask those same questions that people have no problem saying, like, if your class was for one person, would you still do it? Because, again, your mission statement is, if I could even help one person, this would be worth it. Really? Let's have one person show up to your class for a whole month. That's what it's like having your own fucking business. When you're just sitting by the phone and nothing's happening because you're not doing anything. And I think Elon Musk said it uh, recently when he was talking about people, like, learning new things. 
And he goes, it's amazing how many people think they can't learn something new when really they just didn't try. And I think as we get older, we just expect that we should know more. And what we don't know, we just go, ah, I'll never understand that. When we're a kid, everything's like, what is that? I want to learn everything there is to know about it. And you have to have that mentality. I sit here and, you know, not to toot my own horn, but someone like she turned to me the other day, my girlfriend was like, how are you so good at so many of these different things? Like, how come you can shoot and edit a video in a, in a computer application that I don't even understand how to use and then also be able to market it and then create the website for it? Like, how are you able to do these things? And it's like, I learned them because I graduated school and I am not a school guy. I hate school. I don't believe, I hate so many aspects of it. But I left there and I was like, I'm gonna wanna keep learning for the rest of my life and not pay tuition. So what's that gonna look like? And for me, it was YouTube videos. So I learned how to learn on YouTube using tutorials and how to Google search and all that kind of stuff, which is a huge skill, being able to know how to Google something. And over time, I've never stopped that urge to wanna learn the newest thing. And Gary Vee says it all the time. He's like, I learn whatever new platform comes out because even if I'm not planning on using it, that's the beginning of the next new platform. Sure. And now, whatever I go to next, I'll have 80% of the knowledge for it. I know Photoshop. I've known Photoshop since I was 17 years old. I use the same 15 functions of it, regardless of all the cool shit they've added to it. I use the same 15 functions of it for my entire career, and I've been using it my entire career, right? So it's like those are the little things you just pick up along the way, and yes, it's hard to learn an eye for design. It's hard to learn an ear for music, right? These are not things that, these are things that become a little bit more innate. But what you can learn is so much more. If you really, Stu, if you wanted to sit down and really learn how to code your own website, I have no doubt in my fucking mind that you could learn how to do it. Yeah, There's no doubt in my mind. It's like when Webster came back and he was just like, yeah. I was like, what are you doing, Chris? He's like, I'm just coding websites. I'm like, when the fuck did you mm-hmm. learn to code? He's like, YouTube. Yeah. It, like, it just, it's insane. And it just, I think, um, I think so much going back to, you know, she created something unique and special. And I truly think there's something to that. I also think that, I would be, I'd, I'd love to, I need to get her for the, the gyms podcast, but I would love to jam with her and ask questions as to what did you see in yoga that in your case broken? What problem did you solve that was currently in yoga? Cause that's, that's what she, I don't know. I don't know anything about, I, I get it. It's been in my building. I've watched it. I've made jokes about it. I've been like, holy shit, I could go in there and fucking, <laughs> I could get someone pregnant right now. This is, it's like right. a rave, but without the And ex. by the way, it's part of it too. Fertility is actually like. The amount of girls that had fertility problems and then are They're able to get hers? pregnant, like Christ. almost, I mean, it's unbelievable. Like it just has, yeah. But yeah. So like that's, I'm really, I'm really interested in like, what did you see as a broken prop thing in yoga? And then how did you decide to fix it? Cause that's again, the next micro gym fitness solution class style that is constantly varied function with high intensity. It's just going to solve a different problem. Yep. It's going to solve a very different problem in a very non, in a very non, non mind blowing way. Someone's like, that's not all that crazy. Like, what do you yeah. mean? It's like, I know it was that simple. They just went all in on it. They shouted it. They fucking stapled the world with it. And like, I also think that there's like that pendulum shift that I always talk about where it's like anytime something, somebody notices a problem, there's usually an overcorrection that happens. Sure. Right. So someone says, oh man, I really don't like the fact that, you know, CrossFit uses barbells. Sure. So I'm going to create fitness that would never even consider using barbells, which is just yeah. the other side of the spectrum. We're going to take all of the shit. Yeah, yeah. But the truth is, if 
just the barbells are wrong, then 98% of CrossFit is fine. Yes. So maybe you'd only need a 2% correction rather than a 100% 100%, correction. But normally, the reason I call it a pendulum is because there's an overcorrection, and then it slowly comes back, and then it slowly goes back. And then eventually, you land in the middle, and the middle is where the money is made. Because the middle is where you figured out all of the pieces that made CrossFit exactly what it is and what you tweak to it to make it 10% better. Yep. Yep. 100%. Alrighty, kids. Um, that's uh, that's fucking it. Uh, so yeah, keep an eye out for some Me Too. Greg Glassman is the Jerry Sandusky, Jeff or Jeff Weinstein, John Wein, not Weinstein. What was his name? Epstein. Jeff Epstein. Look out for that kind of shit. If yeah. that comes down the pipeline, we'll get another podcast real quick. Um, and just- then I'm gonna do some shout outs. Shout outs. I never get to. I never promote. Shit. Oh, oh I'm yeah, go ahead. Go sh- shit. Yeah, I thought All you were right. gonna like shout out like chicks that Greg oh. has been right. Never mind. Go on. I was <laughs> no. like, what is he going to shout out? I'm going to do some shout outs. So this is for the people listening that like were listening to everything we were just talking about and actually wondering where to find them. Yeah. yeah. So Chokti will be live hopefully by the time this podcast comes out on get it Chokti.com. That's right. We now own the Chokti.com domain, which was an awesome purchase. Um, I'm going to Someone do all- had that ahead of time. Do you have to buy it from someone? We had to buy it. Yeah. And it was expensive. They you? Yeah. It was, and it gouged me. I mean, in my opinion, where she's at in her business, it was actually a justifiable decision. And, and I'm going to do an entire hundreds, thousands. Jeez. And I'm going to do a podcast about it. Yeah. Why I think it's important. Um, so Chakti.com for that and finding out more. I also highly recommend that if you want to try something C-H-A-K-T-I. new. C-H-A-K-T-I. Yep. Um, if you want to try something new, if you've ever done yoga, even if you haven't, it's definitely a bit of a twerking yoga. It definitely is female dominant right now. Not that there's no men that do it. Um, Something to definitely try out. Number two, you can look at my girlfriend's site, coachcore.com. So C-O-A-H-C-O-R.com. Um, she's also going to be live on studio starting next week. Um, so those are two that like you can kind of watch the progress of. And then I'm going to start my site soon that's documenting their journey. Um, and hopefully I'm going to be putting out free, not just content, but worksheets and things like that that I'm using for these two um, that are for everybody. Good man. Good man. Love it. All righty, guys. We'll talk to you later. All right. See ya.